Um, also, um, the, the October through December devotionals are available, both the soap bookmarks and the portals of prayer. So if you haven't picked that up yet, grab that in the narthex on your way out. Lunch Bunch is this Thursday at noon, and they have a man by the name of Ted Atlas who will give a presentation about sporting event viewing and technology, and especially at how that has changed over the years. Should be really fascinating. If you're a sports fan, it'll be especially fascinating. Or if you're a technology person, really fascinating. I'm going to cough, mute me. I'm not sick, but I have had a tickle, and it's been challenging. Bob, come and talk to us a little bit more about what's going on with Prayer Ambassadors. It's a new ministry we've, we've launched. I think it's going very well. I've seen a lot of people getting connected up for prayer, and I just think that's a wonderful thing. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, for some time now, a number of people have said, it would really be nice to be able to find a way to pray for one another uh, on Sunday mornings. It's, uh, and indeed, some prayer has been happening, but it's a little awkward. There's no, no way to really invite that prayer. So we're trying to make it a little more unawkward, a little easier to do. So Sam back there uh, took this to uh, the leadership team, and uh, they thought it was a good idea, and they asked me to help organize it. So I've been doing that. Um, so we have these prayer ambassadors that are wearing these name tags. Um, and so you can approach them for prayer. Let me explain a little bit more why we do this. Primarily because scripture calls us to pray for one another. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Paul gave us an excellent example of how to pray for each other in Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God so that's why we do it now how does it work well it's really pretty simple if you want prayer just ask for it real simple okay prayer ambassadors are going to be available all during Sunday morning um, they're available during communion specifically uh, they'll be up here at the communion rail, and you can just signal that you'd like to pray with them. Or if you'd like to pray privately, that's fine too. We're not forcing this on, on anyone, so it's your, your option. But we'll be available to pray for you during communion. We'll also be available after service, and so there'll be some prayer ambassadors. They'll be up front here after the service, and you can even stay in your seat and just signal to them and get their attention somehow that you'd like to have, have prayer. Uh, and also out on the patio after the service. So don't be embarrassed. We all need prayer. 
I asked for prayer this morning. We all need prayer. So what do we pray for? Well, we're pretty good at praying for others. We've got a prayer list and all this sort of stuff. But sometimes we just need to take time to ask for prayer for ourselves. Uh, all of us need that prayer. We don't want people sitting in worship thinking, eh, everything's going okay in my life right now. I don't need someone to pray for me. And we all need prayer. So we want everyone to see this as a golden opportunity to have brothers and sisters praying the Spirit into our lives. If things are going well, then approach an ambassador and let's lift up a shout of praise for God's blessings. If there are small things in your mind, let's pray over them. We can pray for anything. Nothing's too big, nothing too small. The Lord's Prayer is a good example of what to pray for. If you just stop and think through the Lord's Prayer, he says, we praise God, we ask for God's will, daily provision, blessings, forgiveness, and continued closeness to God. And we can also pray thanksgiving, healing, wisdom, guidance, forgiveness, and even our response to some of the powerful sermons that we get, or anything else, as a matter of fact. So, who can be a prayer ambassador? Well, anyone. This isn't a holy club of name-tag-wearing super saints. But rather, prayer ambassadors are just like all of us, sinners saved by grace. In fact, all of us should seek and participate in prayer opportunities wherever we are, whether you're a card-carrying member or not. All of us are in need of prayer and are qualified to be prayer ambassadors. If you'd like to be a name-tag-wearer, Simply contact the church and Beth will make you a name tag and it will be ready for you next Sunday. This ministry should be a good barometer of how our spiritual life of the congregation is going. We hope to see a line of people wanting to engage, engage in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I pray a blessing on St. Tim's and for every member here to know the tremendous love you have for them. Draw us closer to you as we share our hearts with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bob, and thank you for your work. Um, if you are interested in membership or just to learn more about St. Timothy's and what it's about, we have a new member luncheon coming on October 16th. Uh, just, uh, it'd, it'd be helpful if you could let us know. Maybe you could use one of those contact cards to let us know you'd like to come to the new member lunch, and we will see you there on October 16th at 1215. And now we have an announcement from our call team and one of its members, Brian Durfee. Good morning. Uh, so as it was announced last week, uh, after a lot of prayer and deliberation, uh, we've come to a conclusion as to who we believe God is calling to be the next associate pastor here. Uh, that person's Joe Hill. And the... That's glad, I'm glad, glad to hear that. Um, the church council has called for a special congregational meeting uh, two weeks from now, October 9th, following this service. Uh, so we encourage you all to be here for that. Uh, also, as part of the process, Joe will be preaching next Sunday at both services. Uh, so we hope to see you all there for that as well. Um, also, if you know anyone who may not be a regular attendee at church, especially since COVID hit, Reach out to them, invite them back. Uh, this is really an important moment for us here at St. Tim's, and we'd really appreciate full um, participation in it. So invite everyone. Um, 
and we hope to see you all there. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing in the, in the seminary process and as we work with the national church, all pastors are encouraged to encourage young people to go to seminary and become pastors. And yet it's relatively uh, rare in the life of the church to have one of your own raised up to be a pastor. And so we're, we're excited about the possibility of moving forward with Joe. I understand he's up uh, doing a kind of a prayer weekend himself this week. So, uh, but um, I've, had, I've had some great meetings with Joe in preparation for this and look forward to that day. So yes, October next week he'll be preaching. The following week we'll be voting. Uh, Please stand. Let's sing. Yeah. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we come before you as your children to give you honor and praise. We are grateful for your grace, your love, and how you call us to be your hands and feet. Lord, we need you to forgive us, making us right with you. In the name of Jesus and by the authority, his authority, gained through his death and resurrection... I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.
I love that song, and I especially love singing it with Belle. <laughs> and it fits very tightly to where we're going today. Please be seated as we hear from God's Word. Thank you, Belle. Our first reading is from Ezekiel chapter 37, starting at verse 1. The reading can be found on page 1240 in your pew Bible. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. Our second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 22. The reading can be found on page 1660 in your pew Bible. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under guardian, under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have closed yourselves with Christ. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel today comes to us from Luke, the first part from chapter 4, and, and most of the rest from chapter 24. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Jesus said to his disciples, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The gospel of the Lord. You, you know, uh, I heard that first service too, and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, we could be thinking, God, that's a long time to wait. 
a really long time to wait. Or we could be thinking, wow, God keeps his promises even when it seems absolutely impossible to do so. So I'm encouraging you to lean on to that side of the, of the children's message this morning. That we're, we're, we're trusting that God is a God who keeps his promises. Now we're looking today at, uh, it's the third week in a series of, you know, know the Father, grow as disciples of Jesus, and go with the Spirit. And today's is Go With the Spirit. And when I came in this morning, the choir was up here getting ready. And Pastor Judy uh, told the, the choir that, you know, the, the melody of this song sounds like a love song. And it really is a love song. And it was beautiful at first service. Ours will be great, but it won't necessarily be beautiful in the same way. I don't think you guys are singing a love song this morning. But it reminded me that so often I hear the word go and I think of it as a command and I, and I need to hear it as, as the love letter it is. I need to hear it as the expression of God's love, especially when he's saying go with me. In our Old Testament today, Ezekiel, it's that story of the dry bones, God sends Ezekiel into this valley of dry bones. And how did those bones get there? Israel's armies had been defeated there. They had been slaughtered there. And God says to Ezekiel, can you make these bones live again? Ezekiel, being a good man of God, said, only you know, Lord. That's his way of saying, I certainly don't know. Um, Meaning, I don't know how that could possibly happen, but, you know, with God, you never know. And so he prophesies to the bones. He's told to prophesy to the bones. Take on flesh again. Take on breath again. And it's it's a statement of our living God's ability to bring life out of death, to bring possibility out of impossibility. And in truth... That's not a prophecy of something that happened. That's not a historical narrative of bones taking on flesh and then breath. It's a prophecy for the people of Israel who feel defeated, who feel hopeless, who feel as good as dead because their hope is dead. And the prophecy is to let them know that the presence of God can still come into your life. The presence of God can be breathed afresh into you in a new way. There is still hope. The prophet Ezekiel is speaking hope to a people of Israel who are discouraged. So if there are any of you feeling discouraged today... It's the promise of God that says, I am not done with you. I can breathe new life, new purpose, new opportunity, new hope into you. God is raising up an army to do his work. And that work is to share the goodness of his love and power with the world who needs it desperately. So then, oh, this is encouraging. Jesus, when he's baptized, has the Holy Spirit come upon him. And the text says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan 
and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tested by the devil for 40 days. Oh, that sounds good. I actually would like to, you know, skip that part. You know, if God could just, you know, fill me and then skip the, the 40 day thing and then, and then go on about the, 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 you know, the victorious ministry, that'd be, that'd be fabulous. But the truth is, in Jesus and in us, that time in the wilderness, God works. That time in the wilderness gives us insight into the power of God to work even in the midst of the deserted places and the deserted times in our lives. And in truth, it builds character and it builds memories and it builds hope in us so that when other hard time comes, we can remember how God has shown up in the past and we can, we can be in a hard place but not be in despair because we can see that God is indeed a God who keeps his promises to his people, to us. And so as we, as we think about our journey of faith, as we think about the ups and downs that are the reality of our lives, let us remember the promise of God to be with us. It says that Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I love this verse. But it also makes me really jealous because I feel like there's probably still more to have my mind opened up. But the idea that Jesus shows up to his disciples and, 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 and enlightens them with his word so that they can see what God has been doing, what God is doing, and what God will do is a powerful thing. In this last year, we have been doing the SOAP journey. I've been encouraging you to SOAP journey. Some of you are doing it, some of you are not. But, but the reason, the logic of that ask is because as we read God's word, we become familiar with his voice. And it makes it easy for, easier for us to discern when God is speaking. We learn in the scripture that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of what God says. But we also learn in this story that, that Jesus says to those disciples who've been journeying with him, studying at his feet, being his, his disciples for three years. And he says, go, but wait. Go, but don't go alone. Don't go in your own power. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Now that word is a little different for us. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean you don't have to wait for the timing of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for his presence, but you still have to wait for his timing. And so they wait in the city for the Holy Spirit to come. And then with Pentecost and the promised coming of the Holy Spirit, the church breaks loose. And the disciples of Jesus grow in multiples as people begin to experience the power of God at work in their lives for redemption. Listen to what it says in verse 26. But the Holy Spirit... The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. 
the Holy Spirit will teach and remind. Again, one of the reasons we're encouraging you to read the scripture is so that when circumstances of your life come up, that the Holy Spirit has something to remind you. Because you've already read it, you've already heard it, you've already begun to get familiar with the voice of God, and when it comes in the midst of that circumstance, you recognize it, because you're being reminded of how God has promised to show up, or what God is asking you to do as his disciple. There is another element, though, too. Listen to this from John 16, 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sins and of God's judgment and of the coming judgment. God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And by the way, we were looking at that text throughout the, the season after Easter that we, we wrote that into our confession to remind us that we are a people of the Holy Spirit. But it's not always rosy. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to remind us when we're acting selfishly. To remind us when our actions are self-centered. And by the way, it is really, really easy to act in a self-centered way. As a matter of fact, it is really, really difficult not to because we always act out of our own understanding. And unless we deliberately seek the understandings of those who have a different perspective, it's very hard to imagine a perspective other than our own. And so we need the Holy Spirit to grab us, to convict us of sin when we're acting in our own interest and from our own perspective rather than following where God will lead us. And I want to say a little bit about that sin because sometimes we think, okay, Jesus says love others and if we hate them, then we're probably not loving them. That's probably sin. But usually it's a much more nuanced thing than that. Usually we're just, as the scripture says, amartia. We're just off the mark. We're just not quite right. We may be even doing the right thing for the wrong reason. But it's still sin. It's still wrong. And so we need the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we can recalibrate our lives, our attitudes, our actions in this world. Here again from John 16, it says, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And you are witnesses of these things. When I hear the word go with the Spirit, and by the way, when I first encountered that as St. Timothy's uh, motto, if you will, as I was uh, preparing uh, to think about coming here, I thought, you know, that's a fairly unusual a way to word that. That's, that's not normal or common uh, in the church. And, and when I first heard it, I, I have to tell you, my mind went immediately to the Great Commission. 
We're going with the Spirit. We're going to make disciples of all nations baptizing. And I think, in fact, St. Timothy's thought about that. I think the wording from the Great Commission actually empowered those choices of words to be used that we need to be going to make disciples. But maybe there's more here and more in that statement than, than simply that. That is certainly there. But maybe there's more nuance there. If we're going with the Spirit, we're not going alone. Someone at a, oh, I was at a conference this Wednesday on anxiety for pastors. Not anxiety for pastors, but a conference on anxiety for pastors. For pastors, but never mind. What they said was, uh, when you have a meeting on your calendar that you're anticipating might be a little stressful, uh, put in the meeting on your calendar, thinking that most people are using device, put in the meeting, God is here. God is here. Be reminded that not only are you going with the Spirit, but that the Spirit goes ahead of you. Nowhere can you go that the Spirit is not. And so as you hear that calling, don't think this is me and me alone. It's, it's with the Spirit we go. And often, by the way, one of the ways the Spirit shows up is in the giftedness of the other people that go with us. Second, don't go your own way. I had, a, I had a, a really beloved member of my church in Tucson, actually both churches I served in Tucson, and he was, he was a, a, a very domineering, strongly convicted, often unyielding person who was a massive disciple of Jesus. And God used that strength of character in phenomenal ways in his witness. But when they came to his service, they wanted to sing the Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. And I thought, that is not a good song for a Christian service. That is not a motto that we are called to follow except when our ways are submitted to his ways. Amen? Not go our way unless our way is submitted to his way. There's another problem with this because often when we have strong convictions, when we, when we know what the Spirit is calling us to do, we do it, but not necessarily with the right attitude or tone or time. I've, I've been known to have the wrong tone occasionally, especially at home. Go when the Spirit goes. Sometimes that means waiting, and sometimes that means getting ahead of when you're ready. And the analogy I love to use is, is catch the wave. There was a great book written a while ago about, about catching the wave of what the Spirit is doing in the world and in the culture. Catch the wave. Do what the Spirit is doing. And I love that analogy because, well, probably because I grew up in Southern California as a body surfer. 
And I know if I got off ahead of the wave, I didn't catch the wave. And I also know if I started too late, rarely could I swim to catch up. You had to kind of be in the right place at the right time. You had to to go when the wave was ready to go. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we need to listen to the Spirit for obedience. Let me say that another way. Listen to the Spirit so that when we hear Him, we're already poised in our hearts to obey, to do what He calls us to do when He calls us to do it. Not to go, oh, you know what? Let me just think about that for a few weeks. And miss the wave. And not, not go, oh, I know what the Holy Spirit wants me to do and run out ahead. That doesn't work either. So to go with the Spirit is a sense of timing as well. There's another one. Go with the power of the Spirit, not your own power. Recognize that the Holy Spirit empowers you. And by the way, remember that one of the ways the Holy Spirit empowers you is he brings someone alongside you that also has power and ability and capability. Maybe the, the, the power that the Holy Spirit is going to supply you is in your friend rather than in your abilities. But I don't know about you, but most often in my life, when I really am confident that God is at work, I also feel a very strong sense of inadequacy. I am not able to do what God is calling me to do without his strength. And that's because God calls us to be a people who live by faith, not by knowledge, not by ability, not by our own power, but by faith and confidence in what God will do, often through us, but under his power, not our own. So when we're trying to decide whether or not we're going to go, it's not a question of whether or not you have enough strength, because it's not your power, it's God's power. And then finally, as you go with the Spirit, let the Spirit guide and direct. Let the Spirit take you where he wants to take you and direct you as to how. So that your tone and your approach is aligned with God's tone and approach. So that, so that you go as an example of an attitude of a God who loves us. He isn't saying, go or I'm going to get you. He isn't saying, go or I'm going to chase you out. He's not even saying, go or I'm going to swallow you up by a whale and spit you out on the beach. But he is saying, go and I go with you. He is saying, experience my love and power in your life and be one of those people through whom I can invite others also to experience God's love and power in their lives. He loves you. He's with you. He desires to work through you and to communicate to a world that doesn't know that, that God loves them. And the only time they experience that may be at your hands and in your embrace. And that's who we're called to be as a church as we discern the voice of God, as we follow the voice of God, as we submit to the will of God in our lives, we find opportunities to be those who love in his name, to be those who bring a word of forgiveness and redemption 
to a people who need it desperately. God will work through you to do that. And as Bell so well led us in singing this morning, remember that you go as a child of God. You're a part of the family. And when your own guilt or whatever stops you from believing that, say, yes, I am. And when you're hesitant to to go out there and forget that you're going out there as a representative of the living God, you're going out there as an ambassador of the one who died for the sins of the world, you can say even to your doubts, yes, I am. I am a child of God, sent by God in the world. And so you can go with greater joy. And I love the fact that in the Gospel of Luke, it begins with talking about the rejoicing in heaven at the birth of the Messiah. And at the end, it talks about the rejoicing and the worship and the joy of worshiping the living God with great joy in Jerusalem as they get ready to go out to the entire world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is good even when life is hard. And we can worship him and share our faith with abundant joy. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please stand. God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to the right.
What do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of the body, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Father, let us rest in your presence for just a moment. Embrace us with your love. Pour into us your presence, your strength your hope and your peace. Ready us to go in your name. Lord, there are disasters all over our world and in many of our lives. We're mindful of the hurricane season and the hurricane that may be building up to come into Florida in coming days. We're mindful of the way your church has reached out throughout our globe, throughout our country, and even in our community to bring hope and to bring help and relief. We thank you for the NALC disaster relief, and we ask that you would continue to provide opportunities for your church to be the hands and feet to bring hope in times of despair. And we think of our own members, of their trials and struggles, sometimes with illness, other times just with difficulties. And today we remember Marilyn Benson, Bill and Mary Briggs, T.C. Carmack, Jennifer Casey, Mary Fisher Orzov, Dale Fraze, Kelsey Harden, Mary Ellen and George McCarthy, Carol Mitri, the Newhouse family as they recover from COVID, Harold Nelson, Don Schottke, Donna Seuss, Jack Soyster still recovering from surgery and awaiting a second surgery. Be with his family. Extend your healing power in body, mind, and spirit. For Karen Stake and for the family and friends of Tom Jorgensen in his passing. Lord, be a God of comfort and blessing. And hear now the names that we lift to you in the silence of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, 
Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy and praying as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. and treats just to the left as you head out the door. Go in peace and serve the Lord.